it's a it's a weight I can't bear. So um, I need you to do that. And Lord, just thank you for the visitors today. Thank you for um, salvations, the baptisms, the things that you're doing, uh, Lord, are are truly amazing. And Lord, help us to to grow, just to take a step today, to grow in our faith. And uh, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, so back in our study today of, of lessons from Jesus' questions, and I think I've got the microphone back on. So, um, so you know, we're doing this series, and I'm excited about it because of the fact that Jesus' questions, I was sharing with one of, my, one of my boys, actually, just some of the questions that Jesus asks and how they get to the heart of the matter. They, get, they, they call the question in, in, a, in a very good way in our lives. And while all the questions are not necessarily directed to us as believers, I do think we can learn from them, right? Some of the questions, actually the one uh, that we'll look at today, he's posing to the Pharisees. So it's a little bit different than the question that we, he might ask us, but we can still learn from them. All of the questions of Jesus to people, can we can, we can learn doctrinal, but we can also learn very practical lessons. And, and today's uh, lesson, I think, is a very practical one. And... Um, you know, it, it, it uh, well, we've got a video. I want, I, we're going to try to do this. We don't show a lot of videos, but we got a video today that, uh, so the, the Bruce Almighty, ha, have you seen Bruce Almighty? So go ahead and, so it's this, uh, we're going to, I don't know if the volume, you might have to click, click, I don't know how loud it's going to be here, so sorry if it. Oh, uh, the mouse is not going over there. Oh, no? Okay. Well, we'll see how it goes. Keep Can you just act it out? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask you. <laughs> Still not good? Did you try the other direction? I don't mean to be... No? Okay. So so some of you may... Well, it's okay. We'll, we'll just... No, don't worry about it. It was it was it was an attempt. So if you just want to go back to the to the slide, that's fine. But many of you, I mean, some of you laughed when you saw it. So if you've seen Bruce Almighty, right? He's he's in this moment in his car where he's driving, and he's like, "God, just just give me a sign." And then there's a road sign that's like, "Caution ahead," right? And then he's just going a little bit more, and he's just like, "Just just speak to me, show me, give me a sign." And and out pulls a, a truck that's like a highway, a Department of Transportation truck, and it's got it's just literally chock full of signs and they're like wrong way do not enter you know stop and it's like just just speak to me god just give me something right and then he goes you know he takes his uh his his rosary and he throws it in the in the water and he kind of comes to the end of himself because it starts raining and he bends down and on the on the road he's like god i'm done i just i just want your way your will be done and then the rain stops and the, and the light starts coming on him do you remember this it's, the light starts getting brighter and brighter and and it was a semi truck and it bam and it, it kills him and the next scene, next scene he's in heaven with morgan freeman as god and he's like you can't pray in the middle of the highway son <laughs> you know and <laughs> I just love the I love the the clip because 
we ask God for signs when the reality is we have them in front of us. And we often... Maybe that's a sign. Um, We often... I mean, they even write songs about this, right? Signs, signs, everywhere signs, right? There's signs, no matter where you go in life, there are things, signs, directions, instructions telling you which way to go. The problem is, we don't approach them. my, My operating hypothesis this morning is that we don't approach them correctly. And so as a result, we end up applying things to our life that we shouldn't. Or in the case of Bruce Almighty in a, in a silly movie, we miss what's, what God's doing right in front of us. And we are just continuing looking for a sign when he's put directly in our, in our way. So, so if, you could, if you could advance a, a couple of... Um, so this, so wow, just like on cue, these guys just stand up and like start handing this out. So in Mark chapter eight, in Mark chapter eight, verses eleven and twelve, and the Pharisees, the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, Jesus, seeking of him a sign from heaven. Now they're tempting him, according to Scripture, and he sighed. and And I'll be honest, I had never noticed this phrase before when I've read over this this passage. And he sighed deeply in his spirit, like. Jesus didn't have kids, but that's how I feel sometimes when my kids, like... uh. Right. There's my sign. Um, He sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Why do they seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall be no sign given unto this generation. Now we'll actually see some other patterns when he talks in Scripture about kind of why he takes that position. But why do they seek after a sign? Well, so so we've been doing in our study here a series study point. And so we're going to talk about signs for just a second. But but it's it's really if you go to the next uh, go to the next slide, you know, what is a sign? And we're going to talk about that kind of doctrinally for just a moment. But why does the nation of Israel desire a sign? Is it wrong for you to ask for a sign? And what is our and I did use uh, quotes there. What's our sign? So the next, uh, the next slide is, signs are meant to point to something. They aren't the thing, right? So many times we like want to connect with God, so we say, just give me a sign. Well, that's, you're, I, with all due respect, you're doing it wrong. With all due respect, the, the sign isn't the thing. You should be connecting with God. And if there's an outpouring of evidence in your life, and I'll try to use different words, if there's an outpouring of evidence, we can talk about that. But notice the first appearance, the first mention, which is a Bible study principle that you should apply. As you dig into Scripture, the first word, the first time the word sign appears, it's at least um, plural in this case, in Genesis chapter chapter 1 and verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. It was a pointing to time, 
It was pointing to an understanding, right? It was pointing to constellations. It was pointing to um, understanding how God moves for days and for years. It was meant to mark something. It wasn't the thing. So you weren't supposed to worship the stars and sky. You're just supposed to understand that therefore that they are there for a sign, for a mark, right? Even the, the, the next uh, slide, the Jewish word for sign actually could also... It could, uh, if you could advance there, Brandon. Uh, if, it also means uh, like an ensign, so or a, a, an, an, an emblem almost, right? A token, a miracle. It's interesting, a miracle or a mark. Cain got a mark or a sign in Genesis chapter 4, right? After his uh, murder of his brother, he was marked. It was actually a sign, same Hebrew word. The rainbow is actually a token of the covenant not to destroy the earth. It's a sign from God that he will not destroy the earth. Circumcision is a token or a sign, which is interesting because that's actually an act, right? You you know when you when you circumcise someone, or you, in this case, when it was implemented, they submitted to circumcision as adults. That is a token or a gesture. It's not the relationship with God. It's a sign or a token of the relationship with God, right? Moses had signs, and we'll look at this, th- these verses in just a minute. Moses had v- signs to validate that he was being sent to deliver the nation of Israel from bondage. He wasn't that, the sign was not the deliverance. The sign was not Moses. The sign was a validation. Passover blood was a token. The, pa- the blood that went on the doorposts and on the, the lintel and on the doorposts that stopped the... The, uh, the, the, uh, the death angel from, from taking the firstborn was a token, was a mark, right? It wasn't the protection. The protection was the obedience, the blood sacrifice of the lamb. The mark was just a sign, right? Or the, the blood was just a mark or a token. The Sabbath actually is a sign according to Scripture. It's the same Hebrew word that they did that to... To, to sanctify themselves because of their relationship with God. It's, but what happens is over time, people started worshiping the Sabbath. So you see how it's, it's easy to miss and what God means for good, sometimes we can, as people, can twist and then make it the thing when it's not the thing, right? Next, the next verse, signs and message must align. Otherwise, it's approving. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 13, and I'm going to turn there because um, I'm still not uh, used to my new Bible and I have to... I'm not, I'm not grabbing the right number of pages yet. Uh, I don't know if you've if you've had a Bible long enough that you know you can sometimes grab the the right number of pages. So so notice in Deuteronomy chapter chapter thirteen and verse one, if there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or wonder. 
So it's interesting that the rules, so a lot of, I mean, God gets a bad rap on the Bible's a book of rules. Sometimes the Bible's a book of really good, in, well, no, let me start my sentence over. The Bible is a good book of wisdom and insight. Sometimes we miss it. He says, if there arise a, among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams or, uh, and giveth thee a, wonder, a sign or wonder or uh, an afternoon TV host or somebody that you see on the internet or whatever, fill in the blank, somebody that you encounter at, I was going to say at the mall, but I don't feel like we have malls anymore, like the, at the store, um, you know, when you're walking your dog, whatever the case is, there will, you will encounter people who claim to have special dispensation from God it's interesting. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. So not only do they have a sign or wonder, they've got a message to draw you away from the God you know. Right? Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. He literally wants to know if you love him more than the sign. <laughs> Then the miracle. God will literally allow someone into your path that with just enough rope to, tr- to pull you away, to pull you away from your relationship with God. It's very interesting. He will allow that in your life. And he's calling, he's asking you to call a question, what's more important? This thing that you see in front of you that may be magnificent. It may be a, a, somebody that can tell you your dreams. It may be somebody that can give you a sign or wonder. And we don't have, have a lot of time to go into this, and it's really not the point of the lesson. But the spirit realm, the demonic spirit realm, is really, really, uh, I'll just use the word amazing. Because I do contend that sometimes we dream based on what is whispered in our ears supernaturally or spiritually. And then somebody under the influence of, this, of, of a satanic spirit could walk up to you and say something about your dream. I've experienced this in my own family. Not my immediate family, but in my family. Where people can tell you things that you didn't think anyone else knew, but all of it came from the same spirit realm through different, through different avenues, different vessels, and boy, it sounds super believable. Like, how, that person didn't know that person. How did that connect with that? Well, guess what? The spirit realm's really good at, at trying to pull you away from your relationship with God. The demonic spirit realm. So all of this, this verse, these, this passage, these verses are like, even if you see these things, and they come to pass, but they try to pull you away from God, know that God's just, God's giving you enough room to just trust Him. Just trust him. And, and I've had a few of these moments arise in my life where in my, in my spirit, I'm just like, Lord, what in the world is going on here? Like, I don't know what to think of this other than it's satanic. 
Lord, let, bring me through it. Help me be a minister to them. Help me understand what the spiritual battle is that's going on around me or what have you. But, but I am not about to choose that crazy situation over an, an almighty God who's given me plenty in the word of God. Okay? So just, be, just, I'll say this a few times. Just be careful asking for a sign. Just be careful. Because Satan is really good at it. And he will give you exactly what you want. What you think you want. So, if you go to the next slide, don't make one thing out of another. Don't make your new relationship with God be from, well, I was given this sign. That's, that's not how it works. Sign, you know, the magicians can do things. I have seen, uh, I have seen my watch go off of my wrist and into Victor's pocket with some magician dude. You know, I, not, I mean, and I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of serious. Like, if you've ever been around a really good illusionist, a magician, like they can do some really amazing things. I don't know at what point it actually crosses over into 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 the spirit realm. I I don't know. Uh, but it it's it can be downright funky. It can be downright funky. Like, how did that just happen? I thought I was watching. Like, when did my watch come off of my wrist? You know, or my wallet out of my pocket, or whatever. Right. So don't don't allow the thing to redefine your relationship, and you can't allow it to redefine words or concepts. And what I, I guess what I mean by that by this is, don't. Say God gave me a sign. I, I think you got to be real careful about that. Nowhere in Scripture are we commanded, as a New Testament believer, to do that. First of all, second of all, there's principles in Scripture that command us to be wary of that, right? To 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 be careful of that. And there's actually examples in Scripture, others beyond Deuteronomy 13, where something can actually, God can allow it to happen. So don't allow the situation to redefine your relationship or the terms you use with God. God is very specific. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will teach you. And things will happen supernaturally in your life that I guess you could call a sign. If you were praying prior to Tuesday night, Lord, I just don't know about mission trips this this year. If I should go on a mission trip or not. And then, boom, on Tuesday night, we talk about mission trips. Is it a sign from God? Well, be careful. I don't think it's a sign from God. He may, in fact, be a, have been working supernaturally in your life to prepare you to go on a trip. But I don't know that I would classify it as a sign. Just be real careful. The Pharisees came to Jesus saying, If you're who you say you are, give us a sign. Wait a second. That's the opposite of what was happening in Deuteronomy chapter 13 and other places. In Deuteronomy 13 and other places, you could prove a prophet by their signs. Okay, But in this case, you don't get the right to say... Hey, do a sign, and then I'll know. It's not like Jesus is like a really good trick dog or pony, right? Okay, show me a sign. Show me a sign, and I'll believe you. That's not, we don't get, that isn't how it works. That's literally not how it works. And you can't find anything in Scripture to support that. 
You can't find anything. So our lesson. So if we go to our first lesson. The nation of Israel has always desired a sign. It's rooted in their history and nature. Right? We see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the Jews require a sign. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. The Jews require a sign. That's actually what they want. They require a sign. In Joshua chapter 4, in uh, verses 6 and 7. Joshua chapter 4. This may be a sign <coughs> excuse me, among you that when your children ask their fathers... <coughs> Tim, um, Tim. Brandon, I'm going to need some water. Thanks. Um, that this, uh, thanks, Shane. Uh, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? And then jumps on down. These stones shall be for a memorial under the children of Israel forever. What is a sign? It's a marker. It's a marker. It doesn't even have to be supernatural. It can be just a place you go back and say, I remember what God did here. It's a sign. Like, we have a sign. I don't know if you've noticed the really cool sandwich board that's out here now that points to this class and points to living well and talks about the, the youth. And, and we, we, we bought, the church bought a sign to direct people. Okay? It's a super simple concept. The sign isn't the thing. Not that the class is really the thing, but the sign just is pointing to the class or the classes, right? We, uh, many of you know, my mom passed away uh, last year and, and, you know, it was kind of, it was, I had not, I had not buried someone that close to me in, in, in a while. Certainly, I mean, I hadn't buried a parent. But it had been a, been a little bit since we had done, since we had to go kind of go through that process with the, with the stone, with the headstone. And so it's, it's one thing when you bury the person. It's another thing when you, you put the headstone or the grave marker, or grave, gravestone out. And it, it brought up a lot of emotions, of course, right? Because that's usually, it takes some time to have those things ordered and for them to get, get placed and all of that, right? Um, like, my mom is so much more than just the dates on her headstone. But that's a place where we can go and we can remember her. It's a place where we can say, she lived, she impacted our lives. Thanks, brother. She impacted our lives, and that gravestone is a marker. It's not even close to the fullness of what my mom meant to me, right? Like, I don't even remember what it says, but it might even say, like, you know, daughter, wife, mother, you know, something, you know, some, sometimes people put those things on, on gravestones. But that, those words are not sufficient to describe the depth of the relationship, right? They're just an indicator. They're just a memorial. Those stones marked what God did, Right? Those stones, what God did during that time when he held back the miracle of holding back the water in, uh, of Jordan. If you go to the next slide, 
again, it's still it's it's rooted in their history and nature. Now, I know this is a, is a lot here, and you may want to turn uh, to to Exodus uh, chapter four, Exodus chapter four, because there are a couple principles here um, that might you know that I think are worth seeing, and I, I didn't couldn't get them all on the on the screen quite simply. But <clears throat> starting in verse one. But Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me nor hearken to my voice. Now this is still under the history of Israel, right? That they want a sign. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, Moses said, A rod. And so God said, The Lord said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a, per- a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. Like, I, I probably would do the same thing. What's a, a rod? Boom. Ah! Okay, right? <coughs> And he said, uh, and so he fled from before it. In verse 4, And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it by the tail, which is like not snake handling 101, by the way. I'm no expert, but probably ought not to grab a snake by the tail. Um, And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. So these things, these signs, were to validate Moses' message. Okay? So I don't want to harp too much or get too down on the Pharisees because from the very beginning of the nation of Israel, this isn't the very beginning, but from the beginning of the nation of Israel and multiple times through their history, signs were important. But they started twisting it. They started making it a requirement as compared to it being a validation that God allowed, right? Moses didn't have to have these miracles. He said, what if they don't believe me? And God said, watch this. I'll do this so they do believe you, right? (coughs) Excuse me. Now, and then, uh, what verse was I on? Verse uh, 6. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Now put thine hand in thy bosom. So put it in your, sh- in your shirt. And he put his hand in his bosom. And he took it out. And behold, his hand was leprous as snow. So all of a sudden he had a disease. And he said, Now put, th- put thine hand into thy bosom again. Put his hand into his bosom. And he plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. So it, he had healed again. He was, it was just like it was before. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign. So it's interesting because now the sign has a voice. It's saying something that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken to thy voice that thou shalt take out, uh, take of the water out of the river and pour it on the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. So there's three signs that Moses has given so that the nation of Israel can believe he was sent. So when God is asking the nation of Israel, trust me, I'm going to pull you out of captivity... They kind of want to know God's in the midst of that, right? 
They want to know that God is is literally going to be their deliverer. They're going to face some craziness. They're probably confident that they would face that craziness. And they wanted confidence. Well, it's interesting because Paul does the exact same thing when he ministers to the Jews. Notice in in the next slide... Uh, Brandon, this is how Paul ministers. Notice in Romans chapter 15, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Elycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Wait a second. Paul is now saying, coupled with the preaching, is signs. So should you be listening to me if I can't go and something magical appears? Well, I would argue, yes, that shouldn't invalidate me. Paul is talking about a very specific time when the transition is happening from a Jewish focus to a Gentile focus, and he's actually referencing that when he started preaching in, oh, say, Jerusalem, where the Jews were, and even as he early, early New Testament, early Bible-believing, or early... uh, um, early New Testament church, as he's going, signs and wonders followed him. Why? Because he preached to the Jews in the synagogue. And they needed a sign. Notice in second, and, or, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 14.22, oh, go back one, just for a second. Tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. And I, I, if you come from a charismatic background where, where tongues are a thing, I am not poking you in the eye. But it's interesting because everyone I've ever talked to that believes in, in, in tongues as a sign, I say to them, nicely if the Lord allows, oh, so you're not a believer. Because tongues are for a sign to them that don't believe, not to the believers. <laughs> like, if, we're, if this room is full of believers, we don't need tongues. Because they, the signs are to those that don't believe. So churches ought not to be a place filled with speaking in tongues. Maybe the maybe the market square or the the park is a and I, I I mean just hear me out. Maybe that's a place if you're using it for evangelism. But but if it's within the walls of the church for the people that are supposed to be believing, well that doesn't even make sense according to 1 Corinthians. Signs the tongues in this nature, or in this case as a sign, were to convince the Jews of the validation, the validity, the reality of the gospel. Even Paul in Romans ties and says, look, signs and wonders, but I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. He used that as the entree to preach the gospel. So it brings us to our second lesson. Was it... Or is it wrong to ask for a sign? The Jews, the Pharisees, right? So Jesus, again, sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Almost the implication of, don't. <laughs> don't ask for one, right? So is it wrong in our second, in our second lesson? The, their, motive, their motive was questionable at best. Questionable at best. They were going into it looking to refute Jesus to say, well, if you don't have a sign, you must not be a prophet. And he had a really good sign, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Arguably, he had the best sign, right? 
And they were using the condition of a sign, and I mentioned this before, to invalidate his message. They were using that to invalidate his message. Now it's interesting, because even by this point, he had done some miracles. So they weren't interested in what he, could, what he had done. They were interested in what he was going to do right there, right now, and hear me out, on their terms. That's not, you can't approach God that way. You, can't, you cannot define the terms uh, around which you approach God. And you define, well, if, if you do this, God, then I'll believe. Because that's kind of what Bruce Almighty does. If you do this, then I'll believe. Well, you mean like coming to the earth, living a sinless life, and dying and resurrecting and conquering death, like, wasn't a good enough sign? <laughs> like, if you really want a sign, I think enough signs exist. The sign was obvious. They just chose to ignore it. Look at Matthew 16. So a parallel passage. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, When it is evening, ye say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but ye cannot discern the sign of the times. Now, let me just say, not too many jobs, modern day jobs, are referenced in scripture, but meteorologist evidently is. Um, And I'm guessing that they're as accurate just by saying, oh look, it's red. It's going to be good. So it's the old adage, uh, red sky at night, sailor's delight, red sky in the morning, sailor take warning, right? So although I've seen a lot of red, really red sunrises that don't end up being like a bad day. We had one the other day, not, I mean, just this last, maybe the last week or so, I was like, wow, that's a really red sunrise. And it was a gorgeous day. Well, yet Jesus is saying, like, this thing that's not 100% accurate you're willing to follow. You're willing to, fo- you're willing to say you'll follow the signs of the sky, but you can't discern the signs of the times. And then he, get, and then he like lays into him. I mean, what would Jesus do? Well, sometimes he calls people wicked. That's what Jesus did. Um, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall be no sign given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. Like, I'm done. Mic drop moment, and he exits stage left. I mean, he just is like, bam, you want a sign? Here's your sign. To Foxworthy reference. Here's your sign. The sign of Jonas. The sign of Jonah, the prophet. So they had what they needed. If you go to the next slide, they had what they needed. The sign of Jonas. A death, a burial, and a resurrection. Obviously this hadn't happened yet, but he's talking about it. The preaching of repentance and that judgment is coming. That's all that Jonas did. Most people, or Jonah, most people miss the point of the story of Jonah. It, they put it all on, I think the main point is probably the better term, the main point of the prophet Jonah. They put it on the, the, the belly, right? The fish, the whale, getting swallowed, three days, him, you know, him running away from God. It's all about the mission. The gospel, for the time, 
needed to be preached at the city of Nineveh that God was going to judge, and the city repents. Jonah's mad about that, by the way. What? He's mad that they are willing to repent because they were bad people and got to experience bad things, and he was jealous of it, so be careful of that, by the way. So, so literally, Jonah is preaching repentance... And people repent. And literally, Jesus is pointing this out to the Pharisees like, that's your sign. Repent. Repent. And then the death, burial, resurrection is just going to blow, blow their mind. What their sign pointed to was literally present right in front of them in the person of Jesus. But they were looking past They missed the forest for the trees. They were literally looking right at Jesus and missing it and saying, just just give us a sign. And he's like, literally, I am the sign. That's why he's exasperated by this. I think that's why he's exasperated by this. He's like, like, what else do I have to do? I'm your sign. I'm your sign. So that brings us to our third lesson. What is our sign? Well, go ahead and hit it again there. Should you put out a fleece? So I've heard Christians say this. Well, I put out a fleece about that. Put out a fleece about that. Okay. Well, you you probably know what I'm referring to. Gideon does this twice. God tells him that he is going to deliver. He's going to be the deliverer of the nation of Israel at this point. And he's like, well, so that I know it's you, I'm going to put the fleece out, and I always get it backwards. It's wet the first time, but the ground around it's dry. I always get it. Is that, is that what the first one? And then this, he's like, well, but I want to be sure, so I want it to be dry and the ground around it wet. Which reminds me, I think I've got time for this joke. It reminds me of a great joke that I learned when I first started ushering. And now that we're taking offering again, we need more ushers and stuff. So consider being a part of the hospitality team. But uh, enter religion one, whatever religion you want that to be. The way they take up their offering is they collect their offering and they draw a circle on the ground and they throw all the offering up in the air and what lands in the circle goes to God and what lands outside the circle, the ushers get to keep. (laughs) Enter religion number two. They do something similar. They take up their offering. They throw the offering up in the air. What lands inside the circle, the ushers get to keep. What lands outside the circle goes to God. Well, here at MBT, we just throw it up in the air and what God wants, he keeps. Um, That's a joke. Um, That's a joke. All of it goes to God. 100% a joke. I learned that very early on as an usher. That was one of the very first things when somebody taught me about ushering. Okay, this is how it works. We're going to... Huh? Right. (laughs) What God wants, he keeps. But But Gideon does this twice, flipping the rules... So that he knows, listen, hear me out, that what God says is true. Eek. Do you really want to put yourself in that category? That what God said, you need to test that what God says is true? I'm sorry. I, I don't need a fleece to answer the Great Commission. He said to go ye into all the world. 
I'm not going to put a fleece out and say, God, do you want me to go on a mission trip? I'm going to presume that he wants me to be obedient because he told me to do it, and I'll trust him to shut the doors on which trips, or all of them, I'm not supposed to go on. Now, does that mean I'm going to be a fool and I'm going to sign up for all of them? No, I'm going to seek the Lord and I'm going to ask him, okay, can you direct my paths so that I go on the right trip or not go at all? That's okay. I'm going to, I'm, again, maybe slightly redefine terms. And a lot of people, that's what you mean when they say, well, I'm going to put a fleece out about that. You're waiting to see what doors the Lord opens and shuts. So we've got to be, again, careful with our, our, our terms. David inquired of the Lord twice in 1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 2 and verse 4 on how or if he was to go a certain direction in battle. Right? So I get there's precedent for seeking the Lord's direction in your life. Totally get it, and I'm not suggesting you shouldn't seek the Lord's direction. But those guys didn't have the Holy Spirit <laughs> to direct them. The Holy Spirit didn't come in and live in people like he does in the New Testament. Notice in John chapter 14 and verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus talking, he shall teach you all things, which includes direction, by the way. In Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Literally, you're going to get power to make decisions, to see, to, have, to see with spiritual eyes. In Acts 8.29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Gone are the days of the fleece, and present are the days of listening to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And I haven't been this bold, at least I don't remember being this bold. If a Christian says, I'm going to throw out the fleece on that, I'll say, well, do you not have the Holy Spirit in you? Like, I'm not quite there yet. I'm not quite that direct. (laughs) The Holy Spirit will guide you. He will direct you. That is literally his job. That's one of his jobs. So what is our sign? What is our sign? Christ alone. Don't overly look for a sign, or don't look for a sign, or overly watch the times. And this is getting to kind of the end times thing. So many times in in the past when I've taught classes and I've said, hey, what do you guys want to learn about? Prophecy almost always seems to be the thing. Why? Because people are looking for a sign. You don't need a sign. You've got the signs that you, ha- you need right in front of you. Christ has told you to go and preach the, preach the word, baptize people, disciple people, continue the process. He's been abundantly clear. He, was not, he didn't misspeak. He gave you all of these church epistles, pastoral epistles that give you the blocking and tackling of how to get it done. Like, he didn't miss a beat on it, yet we're like, well, who's going to attack Israel and from what direction? And is this person the potential? Is, you know, I, I literally had a, an individual ask me this week if I was vaccinated, and I told them yes. My, my decision, I chose to get vaccinated. Others in my family have not. I chose to get vaccinated. And they said, well, don't you think it might be the mark? Nope. (laughs) Not worried about it one bit. Being the mark, I understand some of the health issues, some of the, the, I I really respect other people's decisions not to get vaccinated, but I don't think it's the mark. Like, at all. I, I mean, taking the mark is a choice. God doesn't allow us to get duped like that. 
don't don't feel like you have to put all the pieces of the map together to try to figure out the end times timeline because you know what I'm going to put money on you're wrong <laughs> I'm just going to put money on it because every time I've heard somebody do that whether they've been as successful as writing books about such things or having YouTube or whatever YouTube you know followers they're wrong it hasn't happened the way they said so far. It hasn't happened the way they've said. I have yet to find somebody who's been right 100% of the time. I don't need that kind of thing in my life. I have the certainty of the words of truth. I can follow that. Now I'm going to be mindful of the times and the seasons. Jesus told us to do, to do that, to be mindful. But he used an illustration of plants growing. I don't go out every day. We've got, we got peach trees. Uh, and only one of them seems to, to be producing. I, I think we've got like a species, you know, because there's different types of trees and they cross-pollinate and stuff, and I didn't know all. But one of them produces peaches. The other gets kind of pretty in the spring. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> but I don't go out every day and look. Does it have fruit yet? No. Does it have fruit yet? But I know what's going to happen through the course of the year. It's going to blossom. It's going to have some really pretty flowers on it for some period of time, depending on rain and the wind and, and freeze and that like. And then those are going to fall off and they're going to start. And little, little, little baby peaches are going to start, but I can't eat them. They're far from a peach. And then they're going to start looking like a peach. But I still can't eat them yet because they're not ripe. And eventually... Deer are going to eat my peaches. But that's, another, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> I don't watch every day for the peaches. Jesus told us to be mindful of the seasons, but we don't need to overly look for signs. Whether that's the big picture of his timeline of prophecy or in our life of whether we're supposed to go on a mission trip. If you're battling with that decision, start with the default of yes and let God shut the door. Maybe you won't be able to get time off work. Is that a sign? I wouldn't call it a sign. I'd call it a closed door. If you want to call it a sign, that's okay. I'm not going to meet, we're not going to fight about it. But I don't know that it's a sign. It's a closed door. But you ought to, pr- you ought to pray, Lord. Give me peace about this. Let me start going to the meetings about it and see if this is something I'm supposed to be a part of. And he uses his Holy Spirit so amazingly. I, I thought a few, a few months ago I was supposed to go to Dallas on a trip and, and preach and the Lord just gave me zero peace about it. And I, I went to a pastor and I said, here's what's going on. I, I'm just, I don't, I think it might be wrong for me to go. He's like, well, don't go. It's okay. Don't go. So look for, look for Christ. Let Him direct your steps. Notice the further of this, we, we looked at a little bit of this verse a, a few minutes ago. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. He Again, Paul is teaching about human nature. Jews are going to need a sign. Greeks have to process it mentally to get saved. But we preach Christ crucified. That is literally the contrast. The contrast to a sign is Christ crucified. That's enough of a sign. Under the Jews, it's a stumbling block. Right? Why? Because they need a sign. And unto the Greeks, it's foolishness. Why? Because they can't figure it out. Because it's spiritually discerned. Christ crucified, that's literally all you need. But unto them which are called, both the Jews and Greeks that are called, right? That get saved. Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. 
you don't need the, uh, you don't need a sign you don't need some power you don't need some wisdom when you have Christ because Christ crucified is the power and the wis- power of God and the wisdom of God it's a beautiful verse beautiful verse Titus 2 3 or 13 looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ that's the thing we need to be looking for just watch for his appearing if you're looking for a sign, that's the one sign you should be looking for. It's actually not a sign, but go ahead. And then 2 Peter chapter 3. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things... Oh, actually, go ahead and... We've got just... It'll be quick. Second, I meant to put my whole verse here, and I failed to do it. 2 Peter chapter 3. This is so cool. 2 Peter chapter 3. Some of you thought I was done, and you put your Bibles away. <laughs> look at look at verse 10 for just a second. Look at look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements of of uh, elements shall melt with fervent heat. He's literally talking about the periodic table all the elements will literally melt. That, uh, we're talking the end of the earth as we know it. The earth shall be burned up and the uh, works that are therein, or uh, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. It's kind of what Sam was talking about. Then, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all converse, holy conversations and godliness? If you're worried about your shed burning, your she shed or your man cave burning up, what kind of person, what decisions are you going to make in life? Well, what are you going to do? You're going to look for and haste or, or focus unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens uh, being on fire shall be dissolved and, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, what do we look for? New heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. That's the thing we ought to be looking for. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, the new heaven and the new earth, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Like the conclusion of all of this is don't worry about whether the fleece is wet and the ground is dry or vice versa or if you're supposed to go up and do this and if I if if it, I literally in this church had 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 a person telling me well they thought they were supposed to go on a mission trip because that the state that the mission trip is they saw a license plate from that state they were praying and then the car in front of them had that license plate well bro I. I don't think that's God answering your answering your prayer. I think that's a really interesting coincidence, but I don't think that's a sign. I think God told you to go until he tells you not to. I mean, Paul does this. He goes until the spirit constrains him not to go. Like if we want to be Bible believing New Testament Bible believing Christians, we're going to default to yes, Lord, until you shut the door. So one of the key components in this is you have to have the Holy Spirit to guide you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in you to guide you, you're going to be looking for signs because you're, you're got, you need something outside of yourself. And the only way the Holy Spirit can come inside of you is through salvation in Jesus Christ. If you've not had that moment where you've prayed and specifically asked the Lord to forgive your sins, and we use the, we use the phrasology, come into my heart, Jesus, that's 
that's not actually what happens. The Holy Spirit comes in. That's what actually happens. Because He can, because you've been forgiven of your sins, and God can dwell somewhere where it's sinless. And you will be forgiven of your sins. Does that mean you won't sin? Of course not. You'll still sin until we, until we get to heaven. But if you've never had that moment where you've asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins, for Him to save you, that is the number one priority. You will always be confused about directions and steps and those types of things because the Holy Spirit can't guide you like He would like to. The Word isn't going to come alive like it needs to to direct you or guide you. You have to take that step first. So I'm going to close this in prayer. If you've never made that decision, please grab me after class. If you have to catch the shuttle or if you have to catch somebody, trust me, either they will wait or we will get you home. It's that important. You've got to get this dealt with. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, the truth of your word. We thank you for the fact that Jesus was so clear to the Pharisees that they didn't need a sign. They had the sign right in front of them, and it was in the person of you, the person of Jesus Christ. Now that we have the fullness of Scripture, Lord, help us to rely on it. Now that all of Scripture has been recorded and has been preserved for us, help us to look to it. Uh, we don't need fleece getting wet or dry to know that you're in things. We, you have set the parameters of what you're in and what you're not in. Lord, help us to be faithful to that. And in the decisions that we need to make in life, jobs, cars, direction, you know, where we move, what we do next in, our, in our, the, the step of our life, Lord, may we just seek your face and know that you will give us peace and you will use the Holy Spirit and you will direct us and you'll close doors and you'll open doors. But those are not signs. That's a, that's a God that's moving in the life of his children. We love you and thank you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Have a great day. Sorry uh, for those of you who need the shuttle if I held you up a little bit. So.